All right. YouTube says we're live, but again, the preview is leaving me with doubts. Uh, love it when that happens. Love it when YouTube won't preview my video for me. Says we ended our stream, but oh, I think we're live. I think we're good. We'll find out. Oh, hey, I got that. Hey, there we go. That's better. I like that. That's us. Yeah. That's us. Ooh, we've even got closed captioning going on. Oh. That's cool. <laughs> nice. Live even. That's pretty good. That's that's pretty impressive, actually. I've never watched that live before. Oh. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 254, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, sometimes some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. Welcome to the show. Welcome. People are already talking about a green can on screen, and I know it's, I mean, it's just Ninkasi. Yeah. Guys, it's just Ninkasi. It's nothing special. Don't have to get crazy about it's nothing it. nothing but... special. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have a payoff to make. Um, so, and I will, I do want to start out with, this is still against my will. Like, I considered returning this. Um, so, I have a new addition to the Kraft Computing family. This is an RTX A5000. Uh, they retail for right around $4,000. About $3,800, I think, is the, the new MSRP on them. Uh, the fun thing about this is this is... A combination of the old NVIDIA Quadro and Tesla lineups. They stopped splitting those in two since essentially they were just making two versions of the card and not populating display ports on some of them. Uh, so now their professional cards still have video outputs, but if you want to use some of the enterprise or compute features like vGPU, it just disables the video outputs and uses its resources for other things on the card. Very cool card. So Ampere vGPU content is coming up very shortly on the channel. Uh, thanks in no small part to Yocto, uh, a longtime fan and uh, massive contributor onto the channel. So Yocto, can't thank you enough, but also I kind of hate you right now. <laughs> uh, so my disdain for pickles is legendary. There's there's not many things on this planet I hate more. Uh, mushrooms is probably the only thing above it. Like, I'll eat just about anything else. Um, but mushrooms cause an involuntary gag reflex in me, and pickles are not that far behind. Uh, so... One of my favorite uh, sound clips from, from Talking Heads can be found on Craft Extra on the video titled uh, King Amongst Men, something like that. Uh, the story about the guy who turned his hot dog into a straw to drink his beer. 
And I think Jeff said something like, once the pickle touches the bread, you can't untouch the pickle or something like that. Like You can't unpickle it, right? Yeah, something like that. It's, yeah, the, the damage is done. <laughs> the damage is done. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, there's so much truth to that. Now, my main issue with pickles is more the vinegar than like the brininess or the saltiness or, or even cucumbers. I don't mind cucumbers. In fact, I love cucumbers on salads and in cocktails and things like that. But, uh, and for those wondering, I am delaying this. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, a man in this world pays his debt. Here we go. Uh, from Best Made Beer, it is the Sour Pickle Beer, made in Texas by Texans. The oh, Martin House Brewing Company, sorry. Martin House Brewing Company, Best Made Sour Pickle Beer. Uh, a crispy 4.7%, which I guess is usually a, uh, and by the way, Rhett, I want you to inspect this can so that, and this is another reason we did this show live tonight, that there are no shenanigans going on here. Yeah. Canned last year, still pressurized. I'm going to say we're good. Okay. Um, I'm going to get a different glass because there's no <laughs> way I'm going to sully that one later on. Kind of jealous. Uh, you might be finishing this. Don't worry. <laughs> Made in Texas by Texans. That statement in and of itself <laughs> worries me. Say? You know, we got we got Texas in the house tonight, so. <laughs> it's very pickly. It's very pickly. <laughs> oh, no. Now, I am going to do my hardest, my damnedest, to actually drink this beer. I don't promise that I'm going to finish it, but I'm going to attempt it. So, with all that said, meanwhile, Rhett's pouring one of the most delicious triple hopped IPAs. <laughs> on this planet. Uh, what's chat doing right now? I'm excited. Yeah, they're basically yeah. talking about... I love how you look over right as my laptop goes to sleep. Yeah. Uh, they are excited to see you drink this. Um, some people are giving you a pass. I think I saw uh, Zachary Solis saying, you know, don't don't kill yourself. And, and, Just... and, and that's Yocto, by the way. Zachary is Yocto. So oh. I'm getting approval uh, he's setting his bar at one sip. If you legit can't stomach it, don't torture yourself anymore. I had legit no idea that that was Yakto. Yes, that's Yakto. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm just a dumb yeah. idiot. So. All right. Uh, true to craft computing. Number one, cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you all. Uh, number two, I'm going to try to review this. With an unbiased... With <laughs> as unbiased as possible. Uh, one of the things that John tries to give me crap for when I review beers, and yes, I'm delaying further, um, <laughs> is... <laughs> um, I will... I, I don't do this as much as, as everyone else, but I, do, I try to rate exactly what's on the can. Right. And so... You're rating it for what it is. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, you but, can't compare everything against, like, the king of beers. Otherwise, right. a lot of stuff's going to fall short. I mean, to 
to cleanse my own palate, I've got a barley wine aged in whiskey barrels for, for later on. Because uh, I'm going to need it. Uh, but if I see pepperoni pizza beer and I drink that beer, it may be the most god-awful thing on the planet. But if it tastes like pepperoni but pizza? But if it tastes like pepperoni pizza, it's probably getting a three and a half from me because it set out to do what it wanted to do. By the way, that's a real beer and a real rating that I made. Um, Coin Toss has a pickle beer that tastes like hot dogs. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. 10 out of 10 pickle beer. So I'm going into this knowing I don't like pickles, but if it tastes like pickles, it's going to get a favorable review. And I'm going to try to be honest to myself and honest to that. For the mods, by the way, I'm drinking uh, Tricera Hops Double IPA from Ninkasi Brewing. It's good stuff. Yeah, it, it's classic. All right. Here we go. Move this so you don't retch on it or... (laughs) (laughs) See, this is such an unusual... I'm not a fan. (laughs) I'm not a fan. (laughs) I will say it's not as bad as I had pictured coming in. Um, And actually, now that it's kind of like settling, the salt hit me... Right off the bat. <laughs> yes, very, very salty. Sal- very, very salty. Um, obviously. But I'm someone who does like gozes and and you know, salted yeah. beers and, yeah, and you know, salted like... stouts and yeah. things like that. So I'm I'm no stranger to that that saltiness and that brininess. This is still up upwards of a level that I find uncomfortable. Um do I dare go for round two? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you do dare go for round. I, I, I think I'm so going to do, at least do a, your damnedest to drink that whole beer. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I can tell you after one one drink, I'm not going to make it. It's so strange. Like my brain has a legit hard time quantifying like what it must be like because I'm like just a human garbage disposal. Like, yes, there you are. is nothing that I won't eat or drink. <laughs> At least once, you know. Like, and what's funny is I'm not that picky <laughs> no, of an eater. Not. Yeah. I, I really didn't even know that you had your limits until, like, we started working in the office every day. Yeah. Uh, the mustard thing came up, and I was like, really? Mustard? Yeah. Uh, pickles, of course. Mm-hmm. Mushrooms. It, it's... And, and mushrooms are kind of the outlier. But as far as, like, you know, just can't handle it. It's it's texture. It's flavor. It's, it's everything that goes into mushrooms. Now, I will say... Are there any types of mushrooms you like? Yes. Oh, uh, I, yeah. I can now... They have to be like I I don't mind like a cream of mushroom soup. I I don't mind now. There can't be any chunks in it at all. It, it's got to be a cream okay. of okay. mushroom soup. Okay. Um, I don't mind the flavor of it. I don't mind you know like mushroom glaze on a brisket or something like that. I um, uh, we go to uh, a Chinese restaurant all the time and they have these lettuce wraps. And part of the filling for the lettuce wraps is this very finely diced mushroom, and it's actually quite delicious. But there's other textures at play there. There's uh, there's some rice noodles that they put in there that are nice and crispy and everything else. So you get the... You get oh, a counterbalance. Yeah, it's a good balance where I'm not going to just sit there and pop a portobello in my mouth. It's not going to happen. Um, unless you want to see everything that I had for lunch come back up. It's just, one time I had a burger where the buns were portobello-like mushroom yeah. caps. And I've heard that. That's pretty good. That. Yeah. Um, 
But I like the texture, like especially like a good fresh portobello mushroom cap. Uh huh. It's good. It's not like squishy. It's firm. You're biting through something that has like good, yeah. You know, uh, firm firmness. I don't know what I was trying to say there, but <laughs> it's got a presence. You know, right? Um, there's some like if you have mushrooms and they're like slimy in any way, yeah, that can be a problematic. I mean, um, I don't know. But I used to have a hard time with mushrooms, but when I was a kid, my dad would only buy pizza with mushrooms on it. And I don't know if he was just like trolling me for Two. years. I tried again. No, second second drink. Can I have a taste of it? Second drink was far worse. Oh. oh. This is just like pickle juice. Yes. It smells legitimately like he's opened a can of dill pickles. It, it, it really does. Pickles. Right. Um, now, I will say, again, I'm not going to, like, bite into a pickle. I'm not going to drink pickle juice. That's good. All yours, buddy. <laughs> um, but if there's, like, a really fine relish in, like, a tuna salad or, or tuna sandwich or something yeah. like that. Sure. It barely qualifies as pickles. Right. You know, but it, it's like, so I'm not like nuclear on the whole idea or the premise or the existence, but it's kind of one of those things that I feel it's a garnish or a flair rather than a an ingredient that you would use in food. I'm, I'm not going to make mushrooms the centerpiece of a dish, but if mushrooms happen to be there and it's very well balanced with something else, Okay. What about like a good mushroom Swiss burger? No. The, 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 That's like the epitome of what you hate, probably. The, the, yeah. Um, actually, I I was out to a very nice lunch with some prospective clients, and uh, we happened to go to a uh, mushroom restaurant. <laughs> no, we went we went to a burger joint, and and I went. You know what? Something. I, I feel like, you know, a good mozzarella or Swiss or something like that. You know, not, I don't want cheddar. I don't want American right now. I, I need like a good rich white cheese right now. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll get a Swiss burger, you know, a little barbecue sauce, little, little this, little that. And, and I said, but no mushrooms, please. And, uh, upscale restaurant, 12, $13 burger, you know, I expect some follow through. And, uh, they bring me my plate giant stack of, of steak fries and everything else. And I'm inspecting the burger and I'm going, I don't see any mushrooms. Fantastic. I take a bite. And as soon as my mouth clamps down, I went, mushrooms in there. And, and it, it was the texture of my teeth going through them. It was just like, oh God. Ding! Um, I literally almost lost my lunch right there at the table in front of like prospective clients like like we're trying to sign a business deal <laughs> yeah nope 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 somebody so. says you should come back to this when it warms up a little bit <sighs> this is like a if, perfect hair of the dog beer like you wake up in the morning you're just like you need your electrolytes but a beer also would help that's what a bloody mary is for yeah, but this almost has like a Bloody Mary taste to it. No. <laughs> no, it does not. Uh, so, since Rhett failed to bring me any Oktoberfest beers. Oh, for once. Right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go with the Firestone Oktoberfest Oak Aged Lager. 
Uh, so this is again from Firestone Walker. It's a five and a half percent, if I remember right. Yeah, five point two. Uh, typically, not a logger that I would, you know, I, I'm not one who would buy craft loggers, but you age one an oak and you get an Oktoberfest flair to it, you'll get my money. A good Oktoberfest beer is probably my favorite. Like, yes. just, oh man, so good. Definitely up there. Ernest Guzman says, how much to drink at all? <laughs> uh, considering you're a government employee, you can't afford it. <laughs> That's pretty good. I almost thought about chugging it right before. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that face. Yeah. Uh, hell just froze over. Uh, I'm sure that will be on Craft Extra. I'm, I'm sure that will be on Craft there Extra. There you go. Yeah, that yeah, segment yeah. will I'll, be on I'll Craft Extra. I'll put that on there. Yeah. Pickle uh, Jeff. Uh, may the A5000 render all your frames with zeal. No one can say Craft Computing is not a man of his word. I, a bet is a bet and a payoff is a payoff. And... Uh, <laughs> oh. I'm looking forward to this, though. I mean, is there any protest if I just drink the rest of this beer? It's pretty good. <laughs> By all means. Oh, my God, that is wonderful. Yeah. That's a hair of the dog. That is a palate cleanser. That is a... Everything that that is not, and I could not be more happy about it. This is like a gosa with a little bit of a pickle flavor. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of Breakside Brewing's gosa. I, I, I think you're broken. <laughs> Okay, I'm not here for therapy. <laughs> Same time next week? Yeah. Actually. Right. <laughs> Usually, yeah. Are we meeting here again? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's just wonderful. See, and one one drink that I really like, too, is like a, like a pickle juice with some bourbon or something. Uh-huh. It's a really good drink. Because... The bourbon kind of shadows the bad parts of pickle juice, uh -huh. and the pickle juice kind of offsets the bad parts of bourbon. It's pretty good. I've I've heard a lot of people, especially with Irish whiskeys, will do like a shot of Jameson and a, and a pickleback. Yeah, uh, my my brother in law. That's one of his favorite drinks to do at bars. Um, and uh, I guess there's there's something to it. There's something about the the flavor that just kind of plays off each other. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but. You know, it's not bad. I don't get it. <laughs> it's kind of like doing Tabasco and, and like tequila. Yeah. It has that same vibe where you just like put a couple shakes of uh, mm -hmm. Tabasco sauce in your tequila. And it has that off. Speaking of vinegar. You don't like Tabasco sauce either. It's okay. Like like I said, in small doses and garnishes. Do you like hot sauce at all? I do. Okay. Yeah. Just I'm not I'm not vehemently opposed to them. There's no hot sauce in your house, so. There's not. There's not. <laughs> but so that doesn't always mean that you don't like it, so that's why I had to ask. Right. Um, one of my favorite things to get recently. God, you got me talking about food. We'll get to the news momentarily. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, one of my favorite things to get recently uh, is... I know a lot of people hate Domino's Pizza. I happen to love Domino's Pizza, especially since they revamped it five, six, seven years ago. Oh, yeah. You get those um, $5.99 pizzas? Oh, yeah. Oh, those are baller. Uh, they're actually less expensive than Little Caesars in my area and three times the pizza. Uh, quality and quantity. Uh, but 
Little Caesar started, or sorry, Domino started doing a lot of hashtag not sponsored, call me, uh, started doing a lot of not pizza stuff. So they started doing pastas and wings and things like that. Oh, yeah. One of the best things that they have is uh, their chicken bites. So they are a very lightly breaded chicken uh, with a pineapple jalapeno glaze on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Straight fire. And, uh, that starts to push me as far as my uh, my peak Scoville rating would be on on that particular dish, but it is such a concentrated jalapeno, and the the heat lingers because it's a syrup, and uh, so it's not like I can eat jalapenos on just about anything, and and I'm very very happy with it, but uh, that dish in particular. Starts to top my spicy uh, uh, tolerance, shall we say. Right. Yeah. It's but it's fantastic. fantastic. And I'll eat the whole thing in a single sitting. So Easily. Like, yeah. Easily. Yeah. You know what's fun about Domino's in other parts of the world is that uh, people call it Italian food. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was in Central America and our host was like, hey, you want to get some Italian for dinner? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, spaghetti meatballs? Like, <laughs> Oh, it was legit. It was so good. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> it always just made me laugh i was like there is an italian restaurant over there that is like a legit italian restaurant but we went to domino's yeah what are you gonna do there you go uh elmist five dollars uh too bad you didn't finish it but i get uh but i get you i hate pickles also right like for people that despise pickles they understand yeah so this is a dangerous beer because um it Tastes good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get on with the news. Uh, starting with the embargo for unboxing the RTX 4090 was today. Uh, and so the internet was again full of uh, original YouTube TechTuber content, which was the, hey, what's inside the box? Uh, which is some of the content that I like in the least. Uh, and I... I'm pretty sure viewership numbers across the board pretty much represent that. Uh, but uh, this one caught my eye as being pretty funny. So Akami Games over on Twitter posted a, a picture of the RTX 4090 out of the box and uh, says the 4090, just the card, is bigger than the Xbox Series S. <laughs> Which I found hilarious because I love comparisons like that. Like Americans will do anything to not use the metric system, right? <laughs> I know I did see uh, like scrolling through some of these other tweets. Like somebody was like the before and it was like the RTX, uh, you know, 3090 or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, the 4090 with their dog yeah. side by side. It was just like they had this tiny little like yeah, long haired Dotson or whatever. Yeah. Uh, made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, I've got a 3090 and I can set it next to my cat and it's an apt comparison. And Rambo's not small. Rambo's a no. big cat. Rambo's 16 pounds, something like that. Although looking at that from over here, do you think that compares at all? Uh, yes. The, the 4090 is a similar form factor to the 3090. Um, oh, look. Yeah, there's a good picture. Yeah. So here's a, uh, a 4090... Uh, next to the the Asus Tough 4090, 
Um, uh, yes, it's bigger than a Steam Deck. That's so, big. Steam Decks are big. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big old big old card. Uh, like I said, I believe it's the same form factor, maybe slightly larger than the thirty ninety, but I don't have one in my hands to compare. Hopefully, hopefully in the next month or so, I'll actually be getting my hands on a forty ninety. So that should be fun. Uh, moving on to, I guess we could say this is going to impact Apple because it's the only company that really doesn't follow this. Uh, the EU has passed legislation that by 2024, all phones, tablets, and cameras must use USB-C for charging, uh, without exceptions. Uh, no more including a little dongle to go USB-C to lightning or micro USB to lightning like, uh, the iPhone got away with. What was that, iPhone 6, iPhone 7, something right. like that? Uh, no, USB-C integrated in by 2024. You have to have it, period, end of discussion. Uh, I guess the big question is, is this going to force Apple to finally adopt USB-C on all of its mobile devices? Because remember, tablets and phones are going to fall under this. Yeah. Uh, now, everything will. Now, the iPad Pro already has USB-C. The iPad standard has has lightning as well as the iPhone has lightning. Uh, so will Apple finally cave and integrate USB-C and everything or will we literally have a US model just like we do with the eSIM for the iPhone uh, 14 where uh, they say, screw you, we're, we're leaving lightning in place until the US passes similar legislation. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Somebody says wireless iPhone, here we come. And I think that there is legislation to follow about uh, wireless charging, mm -hmm. you know, protocols as well. It's going to, they're going to try and make them universal right? so that there's not like multiple ecosystems. I, because I think that they anticipated that Apple would probably think or do something like that. Correct. Um, right. The real big question is, well, I think you just said it, but you know, is, is the European market big enough that... Apple would make two different models of all of their different SKUs, one for the U.S. Right. market and one for the right. EU. Right. That's kind of what I was wondering. Are right. they just going to go like, fine, European iPhone, here we go. Cool. They they already did that with the eSIM. Remember in the U.S. models of the iPhone 14, there's a plastic blank where the SIM tray would go in the EU models. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so it's not that outside the realm of possibility that Apple will literally throw the middle finger to the U.S. and go, no, we like making money off lightning cables. Yeah. They're six cents a piece and we sell them for 35. Like See, and Elma says, you know, they're going to save money on the cable. And that's like, that's the obvious thing. But at the same time, it takes their users outside of the Apple ecosystem. Oh, no, they might realize there's something else there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty cool. Be interested to see what happens. Yep. Uh, this one was interesting. By the way, uh, Novella wanted me to take one more sip of the Oh, yeah, the go, pickle. For it, go for it. So I, I... It's mostly just backwash now, so... Oh, God, that's even... Nope, can't do it. Really? Can't do it. Tried. Nope. 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 Didn't change at all. It did. It did. Here, I'll warm it up a little bit. Oh, God. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> we got this. Nope. Nope. Not gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. When I started thinking about it like a Gosa, it really kind of brought it all together. Sour pickle beer. See, and that's probably the problem. This is probably 
extra pickly, you know? Right. It's and a sour pickle beer. I, I was hoping that this one would be more sour beer rather than sour pickle. Because I I don't mind sour beers. I don't mind sour ales and, and those kinds of beers. But uh, that one was extra pickly. <laughs> As you said, it was... It's pretty pickly. Yeah. It literally tastes like I'm drinking a jar of pickled juice. Right. <laughs> it's not subtle at all. It's, <laughs> it's not new. It's just like, hey, uh, we got this out of a jar and added some booze to it. Uh, Chloe sends over $2. Super chat. Thank you very much. Stuck in the data center. Send beer and blame ZFS. Ouch. Uh, you resilvering tonight? Are you... Uh, hope everything is going okay, but... Uh, ZFS doesn't have problems often. But when it does, it can cause some, some massive headaches trying to get it all back. Uh, now, I will say it's one of the more resilient things I've ever worked with as far as recovery options and... Uh, and whatnot, especially compared to traditional hardware RAID. Looking at you OEM vendors who like to use proprietary hardware RAID for a lot of various applications and and deployments. Uh, but I I never I never wish upon anyone a, a RAID recovery. So <laughs> good luck. We did also miss a super chat. Way up at top. Two Aussie bucks from Kren. G'day, have you heard about Ventoy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, we can we can spend two minutes on this. Um, <laughs> so one of the more frustrating things, and, and there were a couple frustrating things from this video yesterday. If you haven't watched it, I did a... A, an unboxing and review of the IODD ST400, which is a, a pretty cool bit of kit. And, and I did the review from the standpoint of a, an IT tech or a field technician or someone who's literally being sent out to a client site yeah. or random locations. Yeah, which you said in the video. Right. Yeah. That, so that was my my premise. Like, if, if you're going to have to expect the unexpected, this is a fantastic bit of kit. Uh because what it allows you to do is take a two and a half inch SSD, plop it into a caddy that's not much bigger than the drive itself. You get a, a full LCD screen with a keypad on the side and you plug it into your system and you can load it with ISO files and then boot from those ISO files. But it does it in a very specific way. And I don't think I covered this quite as well as I may have could have as far as the actual boot protocols because there's 590 comments or something like that on the video right now and I swear 80% of them if not more are oh so this is just Ventoy with hardware and people not even clever about it like, like there's probably for every for every you know 50 comments just saying oh have you heard of Ventoy there's one that has a little bit of nuance. Mm -hmm. Like, oh man, I just use Ventoy, but you know, I'm not a professional, I'm just a casual, like this, and it fits my use case. Like, I'll keep an eye on this though. Like, yeah. You know, like <laughs> but I can see the appeal. Oh, it's really cool. It has hardware encryption built in. Oh, I know you mentioned that you can boot from the ISOs and the VHDs in multiple different ways. And the comments I got were, 
honestly akin to when I had the audacity to compare wine to emulation, which I've defended my my structuring of my sentence, and and I knew full well that saying it was an emulator or an emulator of sorts, which was the exact way that I phrased it, <laughs> uh, and that was very intentional on my part, would not be taken the best, but I didn't think I would be, like, raked over the coals for it. This honestly felt, from a commenter standpoint, equally as harsh. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you? Like, <laughs> and it's pretty, it's pretty funny that somebody could look at your catalog of videos. Maybe, maybe they don't log on every week and watch Talking Heads, whatever. Maybe they're right. just there. They, they view the, you know, a craft computing video every once in mm -hmm. a while. But it's, it's shocking to me that they just assume, why are you talking about this? You haven't heard of Ventoy? Like, for the record. Yeah. I know what Ventoy is. I've never really personally used it, but I'm aware of what it is. But I have used other options. I've used Yummy. I've used Easy to Boot. I've used, uh, uh, gosh, there was a USB Boot Create. There was a, and all of these have the exact same premise. You have a USB drive, you drop ISOs onto it, you get a grub boot menu, which allows you to pick an ISO out of your list, and then it loads that ISO. Um, however, they all have the same feature in which they load the ISO as a removable disk, uh, which is a very specific protocol when you're t speaking about BIOS. And it's not necessarily 100% compatible across the board, especially if you have systems that are legacy boot only or don't have the best USB boot protocol, because that was a thing that had to evolve over a number of years. Think back to... 2002 and then moving on forward and they're finally starting to get it right as of like 2015 where it's actually a universal boot protocol um the reason i thought the the st400 was cool was number one it supports multiple file systems you can have either ntfs or uh or xfat which XFAT is pretty much universally supported at full speed across every operating system. And I said, you can't use NTFS in, in Linux. Well, as of 5.15, you can <laughs> you can use it and it's it's mostly good. I went, yeah, but how many Linux environments have you stumbled into that are not on the latest kernel? Probably about 95% of them, am I right? Am I right? I'm right. Um, so... <laughs> saying that it does the same thing or it supports the same thing is not it's it's an invalid argument number two the iso boot on there and as well as vhd virtual hard disk booting can mount in one of three ways it can mount it as a removable drive so a usb removable disk it can mount the drive the iso file as an internal non-removable disk, as if it were connected directly to a SATA port, it can also load as a virtual optical drive. And the virtual optical drive is always present when you plug in the drive. So what you do is you plug it into the system, you power the system on, you go to the boot menu, and then on your ST400, you select the ISO that you want, 
and then you select the CD drive from your boot menu and it boots it as if it were an optical drive because it thinks it's a USB CD-ROM drive or actually it thinks it's an internal optical drive. And if you want to talk about universal boot protocols, that's one. <laughs> so, but... You got a lot to say about this. I did. The, the thing is... I, I didn't set out to offend anyone or say or invalidate anything. And, and this kind of comes down to the crux of YouTube comments oh, God. of if I didn't acknowledge the existence of something in a video, it means I chose to use something else or it means that I, I, I ignored it on right. purpose or. I mean, that's a frustrating thing. And you, and you can almost look at like, so it was like a 10 minute video, right? like look at a Twitter post as sort of like the microcosm of this effect where you say, Oh man, dogs are so great. And everybody goes, what you hate cats? cats? Right. What's your problem against cats? Uh, uh like here's I 280 characters to say I like dogs. So I chose that. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's a great one that a lot of people who follow my channel will fully understand. Okay. Um, and it's not necessarily brand wars at all. I mean, this is a pretty minor fight if 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 you you ask me. And then we'll move on to the next story. But uh, for the first couple of years that I was doing VGPU virtualized graphics content, I used Parsec as my client of choice oh, yeah. because <laughs> it was the absolute best thing that you could use. It supported down to Windows 7 as well as Raspberry Pi and Android for client use, and it installed very simple. Plus it had a cloud plugin. So when I wasn't home, I could actually remote back and do some testing on handhelds and things like that. And it just kind of worked. And, and I never really gave it a second thought. Well, about a year into that, I started getting tons of comments about, well, what you, you just don't like moonlight then. And I'm like, yeah, I know what moonlight is. I've used it a couple of times in my mind. It wasn't quite as feature rich and Parsec fit my needs. So why would I need to go out and search out this other this other thing? And at the time, Moonlight was dependent on NVIDIA GameStream, which I was not using to stream from the Parsec server. In fact, there were limitations to how I was doing my streaming. So I just didn't use Moonlight. And, and it wasn't that I couldn't, it's just that I didn't. Well, the last couple of vGPU videos, um, and by the way, this is after a full review of both Parsec and Moonlight in production and the pros and cons of both that I did on my channel. Uh, the last couple of videos I've been using Moonlight because I'm trying to showcase multiple PCs side by side. And with Moonlight, you can open multiple clients and have them all streaming at 60 frames per second to your desktop at the same time. Whereas Parsec, you can only have one client window open at a time. So if I wanted to show in real time, multiple clients running at the same time in a single window, I can do that with Moonlight. And so that's how I demonstrated it. I got a dozen comments about, well, why'd you switch from Parsec? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that in and of itself is so frustrating, but I didn't realize there was an entire community and, and religion around Ventoy that I somehow offended mm. by... You, you really need to think about like the lowest common denominator of YouTube commenters. I, um, I didn't realize that every Linux forum mod on the planet <laughs> used Ventoy as their boot protocol of choice. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's funny how it works because I feel like uh, it, the problem is particularly vicious, like in this sort of sphere of like tech and like PC enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. um, because like in other communities that I'm in, this conversation just doesn't really occur all that much. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when I was doing all the game dev stuff, nobody's like, dude, just jump on Unity and like make your game. Like, stop being ridiculous. Like, people would be like, yeah, find the tool that works for you and use it. Hey, Unreal's build awesome. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, build your own tools. Let's go from there. You know, same in the music community. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, me and Jeff were laughing yesterday because. I would go into the studio I used to work at all the time and I would like show them something I was working on and they're like, what'd you make this with? I'm like, FL Studio. And they're like, man, you know, like they kind of vote for the commitment. Yeah, man. they're just like, they're <laughs> like, dang, man, like you made something like this with FL Studio. And it's like, yeah, like I've sucked at using FL Studio for a long time. <laughs> and you just find all the little gimmicks and workarounds, you know, right. but nobody holds it against you. Like what? You're not on Pro Tools, dude. What's wrong with you, dude? Right, and and it's it's so funny because I've never once seen someone using a DeWalt drill for something and walked over and went, yo, you need to be using Ryobi. Right. Like, you do get it with truck people. They're like, really? Really? You're driving a Dodge now? Mm-hmm. I only say that because mm -hmm. you're driving a Dodge. I'm now, driving so. a Dodge now. <laughs> the truck wars are real, but other I, than I, that. I used to drive a Nissan truck, which I get. I, I, I get the argument, but, you know. <laughs> No, love my Frontier, love my fifteen hundred. They're they were both solid, but yeah. but yeah, it, use the tool that works for you. In fact, Veronica explains did a fantastic video not that long ago about your tools, your hardware, your software. They're fine, and so are the ones that other people use. Don't be so cultist and but and no, whatnot about it. Not only that, just don't assume that because something isn't mentioned that there's literally no knowledge about it. Mm -hmm. Like we're showing or off antagonism towards it. Right. We're, we're showing off a product, right? We're showing off a product. We're not out there like hustling against Ventoy, which by the way, if you knew how Ventoy worked, you would know that Ventoy is not a comparison as far as the entire feature set of the ST 400. And so it, it was almost like what about ism? It was well, so my thing, my ridiculous. Thing is, you know, you see some people going in there and being like, hey, well, you know, this comparison isn't very good because Ventoy doesn't do all the things that this device does. Mm -hmm. And they would go back and forth. And finally, they would just be like, well, Ventoy's free. <laughs> like, ultimately, that's the only argument that was ever presented. And you can't argue with that. Yeah, it's free. It's the, perfect for what... Th this reminds me so much cases. of Audition versus Audacity or GIMP versus Photoshop or something like that. It's like, GIMP does everything Photoshop does. Like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just flat out. If you can use GIMP and it works for you and right. you can you can make it work, uh, content-aware Phil's been a thing since CS8 in, like, 2009. Uh... GIMP doesn't have any AI tools whatsoever. And I can't tell you how often I've gone to the very fast tools that Adobe has developed in-house. And it's the reason I keep using them. Even, even using the, like, the magnetic lasso in GIMP is laughably bad, trying to find contrast lines. Just for cutting something out of a picture. Just something as simple as highlighting an object within an image. It's right. ridiculously difficult in GIMP. Whereas in Photoshop, I literally draw all of my thumbnails in about 10 minutes. 
every thumbnail for every craft computing video, we will start uploading it and I will go, I'm on the clock, 10 minutes, go. And and at the end of 10 minutes, I send Rhett what I have and it goes up as the thumbnail and that's it. Yeah. I can't do that with GIMP because I'd still be highlighting something by the time Floatplane went live. Right. Like <laughs> now, if you listen to me and he would start using paint.net, maybe he could, right? No, I'm just kidding. Got <laughs> <laughs> to go back to Lotus one, two, three. Or, uh, or you know what? Jump on photopia.com. All right. There's a pretty good alternative. <laughs> That's a real thing. I'm not making uh, it up. I'm it's, just, just going to use photo editor and iCloud. From there now you go. On. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And you have to do it on your iPhone. Yeah. Just. <laughs> yes. Uh, we did get a couple more super chats. Yeah. Uh, Ryan sends over $2 and says, comment section turned into Gatekeepers Anonymous. Yeah, yeah it was ridiculous. Uh, you have a Ram and not a Dodge. Fair Technically, enough. I have a Ram because it was a 2012. So there was that. Uh, I still can't call them Dodge. I'm always going to call them Dodge because, well, I have a hard time not even calling them Chrysler. But, or Plymouth or whatever. But, uh, yeah. Uh... So fair point, but moving on. A uh, couple New Zealand dollars. So thank you very much, Josh. I do appreciate that. And SS joins the membership. Thank you. Thank you, SS. Yep. Very cool. Sword and sorcery. Yeah. Uh, so I have one more beer. Now you have to drive home. Yeah, I can't go crazy. You can't go crazy. So you're probably out for this one. Because this one's 14.4. <laughs> now I will say if you want just like a little taster I'd be like a dram yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'll give you a little dram of it um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pour it into a pickle glass though so. Ryan Sharp you missed my first super chat let's go check this out what? maybe maybe we did oh $4.99 from Ryan Sharp thanks for the oh, call dang it. Up, man dang it Rhett you should find a pickle scented air freshener and hide it in Jeff's house I value my employment <laughs> um, the problem is now he's going to smell pickles and he's always going to think that I'm trying to pull one over. Right. Yeah. You, you've ruined the surprise. Um, so I just realized I don't have a knife on me. Oh, oh. So I'm going to open the wax seal with a key. Normally I always have a knife on me, but, um. Yeah. Normally I do too, but today. I didn't put a belt on today. I didn't bother. And so, uh. We're going to do this with a house key. So what do you guys want to talk about? Morrowind? <laughs> Just preoccupied. Talk about Bethesda games. You know what's funny? I was... Um, I was playing Morrowind the other day. Well, no, I was. And you see all the people complain about, like, well, combat's really difficult. The things that I did as a level <sighs> one character... Um, I've seen speedrunners. It's not too difficult. No, it's just interesting, though. Like, I get it. Like, the game is weird. You know, stats matter. Your build kind of matters. Everything the matters. The weapon matters. Mormon, yeah. Like, all of these things kind of matter. But it's just such a low hurdle to overcome, in my opinion. I just, I, I don't know. Morrowind is super interesting because it's one of the last true Dungeons & Dragons-style role-playing games. Uh, as far as a... Every single stat, every ability yeah. affects everything else that you do as yeah. far as your character build goes. And it's not something that has been overly popular in PC or console gaming for a long number of years. 
Um, good lord, this wax is thick and does not want to lift. I'm trying to crack it, but it's like gummy. Don't you got a knife right over there? I don't. I don't. I, it's upstairs on my headboard, which I just feels feel awful. I normally always have a knife, too. But yeah, interestingly <laughs> enough, like many great games, Elder Scrolls was derived from their homebrew sort of tabletop RPG right. uh, mechanics and campaign setting. And uh, it really shines through in Morrowind. But yeah, I don't know. I was just, I was just interesting. I got some, uh, I got some screen cap that I was doing um, for an upcoming craft extra video. And is this wax or rubber? Holy crap! Yeah, it's vulcanized rubber. It really is. Good Lord, so, someone sealed this with RTV instead of wax. But uh, That's what you use to seal head gaskets? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but anyway. Give more oh, sorry, intake we man. We haven't done not, it yet. Not there we go. Look at that. Got it. All right. So they got that new like AI RTX upscaling for Morrowind 2. You see that demo? I did. Somebody posted that in the Discord. Yes, the AI upscaling for both textures and lighting. Yeah. Looks pretty dope. Looks pretty dope. So I, I was kind of watching it. I was like, is this real? Like <laughs> some of it looks kind of fake. I was like, nah. I, I guess it's real. I guess it's real. Um, and I guess it's going to be coming to like GeForce now. Like you can try it on your own games. That'd be sweet. I'd give it a go. So yeah. Time to bring more ones back. So this is from Varietal Beer Company. They are out of uh, Sunnyside, Washington. This is the Time of Whispers Barley Wine Style Aged Ale in Whiskey Barrels. Or sorry, Barley Wine Style Ale Aged in Whiskey Barrels. 14.4%. Uh, this is to get the pickle out of my mouth, which I swear to God, I still taste. Oh, wow. There you go. It just looks like whiskey. Yeah. It pours like whiskey. Look at it. <laughs> it's got the same color as Seagram Seven Crown, so you know it's gotta be it, something. It, it's got legs for crying out loud. <laughs> Winos are going to come after me here. Oh, wow. more. Cheers. Cheers to you all. Now, I promise we do have some more news stories to get to. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we got some super chats out of the way. Did we? Woo, milestone. Oh, we got another super chat from Josh. Uh, two New Zealand bucks. Your thoughts on Steam headless Docker image? Uh... I've not looked at it yet. Uh, I've heard of it, but that's as far as I've gotten. I will say for uh, headless gaming, Parsec just updated their client to basically, if it doesn't detect a display connected to your PC, it will emulate a virtual display. Uh, and so Parsec now will do a lot of the workaround that I was doing for some of the enterprise Tesla cards that I tried to game on. Uh, I'm probably going to give this a go with the uh, Radeon MI25s as a, you can't split it up, but at least you can get a Vega 64 for about $100 now. Uh, so that could be a lot of fun. Uh, so that's going to be a video probably coming up on the channel next week-ish. Uh, but... 
Yeah, uh, haven't haven't looked at the at the headless. So hold on here. Michael S has been a member for two months. He says, "Woot milestone, nice, well done, Michael S." Uh, yeah, the headless Steam services play uh, games in your browser with audio. So again, it's a Steam remote that you would log into. Uh, easily deploy a Steam Docker instance in seconds. So. Be kind of interesting to try out. Yeah. Sweet. What do you think of this? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, God. It's good. Uh, remind, remind me in the after party not to have another beer tonight. That drink's way too easy. Uh, anyway. You heard him, guys. Yeah. Uh... So, VMware is in the news uh, because ESXi has a new bit of malware that they've discovered that can hijack virtual machines from the host. Uh, so, this is essentially a rogue VIB package that if you install onto your VMware host, uh, it will deploy with full read-write access to every single client machine in your infrastructure. <laughs> Um, uh, and it actually is signature verified. So that's one of the problems. We're not really sure how it got verified, but, uh, yeah, the VIB is verified. And if you install this, you will expose all of your client VMs to threat actors. Not exactly a position I'd want to be in if I were leasing out server space. Um... So, during research, a Linux variant for Virtual PETA was found persistent in the int-d startup service on Linux vCenter systems, hiding under the name of a legitimate binary, KSMD, uh, and it spawns a demonized IPv6 listener on a hard-coded port on the ESXi server, so it can be command-controlled uh, pretty much at whim from, uh, from whatever server or network or threat actor wants to access it. Windows guest virtual machines under the infected hypervisor, the researchers found another bit of malware that was pushed to them from the uh, the VIB. So basically it used the Windows guest integration to push malware into the Windows guest. Uh, so kind of scary stuff. Um, so this is known as the UNC 3886 attack and uh, it does require a threat actor to have ad admin privileges to the hypervisor, um, which if you've deployed your hypervisor properly, that's not a thing. <laughs> you don't get admin level access to the hypervisor itself. Um, but it is a concern for, I would say, internal fo uh, focus organizations. So uh, organizations that maybe use VMware for their their backbone, but then have Active Directory integration into hypervisor where they have a, uh, a root or a uh, domain admin who has credentials across the entire domain or, or subnet. Uh, that could definitely be a thing. It's not necessarily best practice, but I've seen it in deployment far too many times. So, uh, uh, there is, in the article linked below, uh, 
Mandate, uh, or Mandiant, sorry, uh, did provide technical details on how to minimize the attack surface uh, and uh, how to detect malicious VIBs. So if you happen to run ESXi and this is a concern to you, and it probably should be, uh, I would definitely make sure to follow the link down below and make sure you are patched up to date and you are following best practices when it comes to hypervisor and client relations. There you go. Josh S in this chat says, hit me up if you need help with Steam Headless. I developed it. Oh, wow. He says, it's not just for playing in the browser. Works best if you play with either Steam Link or Moonlight. Okay. There you go. Nice. That is cool. Uh, no, I, um, I had heard of the project. I've had a couple people recommend it to me as, as taking a look at. Um, I hadn't really read much about it yet though I, I knew it was uh trying to be another streamer or uh, another player in the game stream you know kind of play space but uh no that's cool i'm gonna have to give that a look now so and welcome to the chat by the way okay uh what next what do we got that one Ooh, crypto news. Yes, we all we all love crypto news. We also love crypto news when the uh, when the crypto people go down. Um, so according to an indictment, uh, CEOs of a dozen of dozens of companies and entities have been charged in a scheme to traffic an estimated one billion dollars in fraudulent and counterfeit Cisco or sorry, not not crypto, Cisco. Uh, in uh, fraudulent cis and counterfeit Cisco networking equipment. Um, so this is a federal grand jury in New Jersey has indicted... Uh, gosh, this this is the list of, of people that were indicted. Um, <coughs> this included 15 Amazon storefronts, 10 eBay storefronts, and multiple other entities as far as like resellers and uh, and storefronts uh, from China, Hong Kong, United States, as well as various other countries. Uh, the operation allegedly generated over $100 million in revenue. Uh, and uh, the actors in this received over, uh, received hundreds of millions of dollars in personal gain. Now, basically what was happening was people in the supply chain for Cisco retail and distribution were skimming devices off the top and selling them on the gray market. Now that's not overly unusual when it comes to uh, high-end network and server equipment. You see this from time to time where brand new, you know, HP and Dell and Supermicro systems will show up on eBay and Amazon and, and places like that from authorized resellers and, and whatnot. Um, you can buy these systems direct from these OEMs, but they go through resellers and all of a sudden they're selling for 20 and 30% below sticker value as configured. And uh, we've seen this with, with a lot of other things too. Cameras comes to mind. Uh, Sony cameras, gray market Sony cameras, out of market Sony cameras. Uh, um, even Steam games like uh, CD key websites will sell out of market licenses that 
you can activate globally, but they bought them from China or Russia or India or Turkey or wherever else where games are 20 cents on the dollar because the dollar is worth <coughs> exorbitantly more there and the local market can't sustain $60 games. So they'll sell them for $20. These resellers will resell them for 45 and cut the profits off the top. Um, <coughs> similar thing, but basically skimming devices off the top of large data center orders. This kind of thing happens, but it rarely happens to the tune of a billion dollars. This was a long-going operation that actually has roots between 2014 and 2019. Jeez. Uh, Cisco sent letters to Askoy, uh, which is uh, Ron Askoy, also known as... Or, sorry... Onora Askoy, also known as Ron Askoy, also known as Dave Durden, 38 of Miami, Florida, allegedly ran at least 19 companies formed in New Jersey and Florida. Um, so Cisco had sent seven letters to Askoy asking him to cease and desist his trafficking of counterfeit goods. Askoy allegedly responded to at least two of these letters by causing his attorney to provide Cisco with forged documents. In July 2021, agents ex executed a search warrant at Oski's uh, warehouse and seized 1,156 counterfeit Cisco devices with a retail value of $7 million. Wow. Uh, and the, the crazy thing is, is how long this list of indictments goes. Yeah. And, uh, and for really how much money and, and equipment and how many companies were seized. Uh, during this whole thing. Um, so, yeah, Asquois is charged with one count of conspiracy to traffic counterfeit goods and to commit mail and wire fraud, three counts of mail fraud, four counts of wire fraud, three counts of trafficking counterfeit goods, and he was charged by criminal complaints filed in New Jersey on June 29th and was arrested in Miami on the same day. Uh, so, yeah, um, a lot of people have asked me why... Or what's the best place to buy Windows keys and, and game keys and things like that? Uh, I also get, Rhett can vouch for this, dozens of requests per month to yeah. sponsor whatever the, the new hotness is for a, a CD game key website, CD reseller. Um, and I've refused them all. And I don't necessarily disparage anyone who has who has advertised for one. Uh, I've bought from some of these, these sites before. Uh, but they, they're all gray market. They're all gray market. Now, buying a Windows license from a global reseller has actually been deemed by Microsoft to be perfectly legal. And in fact, in the United States, any license holder, that is any license purchaser, can transfer that license to a third party on resale with no penalty. And it's the uh, the licensee has to recognize that license as legitimate. Um, so technically I would be able to resell my Steam library and Valve could not do anything about it. Now I'm sure that eventually they'd ban me, but I'm allowed to do it at least once. Uh, same thing if I bought CD keys from you know, a foreign country, a foreign market, uh, under U.S. law, Valve has to recognize that a license is present and redeem it. And so technically, 
It's legal. However, there are a number of complaints against a lot of CD key sites that they also traffic in credit card fraud and, and deceptive practices and credit card chargebacks in which not only does the developer lose out on a licensed sale at full market value, but they also get charged back from Valve once the credit card payment bounces. And so not only do they lose the sale, they will directly lose that sales worth of money. Uh, and so I don't buy games from these sites. I will buy Windows licenses because again, Windows licenses are slightly less gray market, although still very gray market. But I feel a little bit morally justified in being able to do that. Uh, I can't necessarily say the same thing when it comes to CD key sales. And wrapping this back into hardware, when you're talking about gray market hardware, there are markets that are available to purchase out-of-market goods at reduced cost and oftentimes reduced service and warranty claims. Uh, so buying a Sony camera from Japan, you might save $150 even after import of it, but you're not going to be able to warranty under a U.S. warranty. And I think that's a pretty fair trade. But when you're talking about billions of dollars in fraudulent and counterfeit Cisco equipment, yeah. You also have to know that that stuff is out there. You have to be aware of those kinds of things. And the old saying... Uh, well, how many times have you jumped on Amazon and bought something? And you thought you were buying one thing and kind of got something that was... Oh, it definitely happens. Awful. Definitely happens from time to time. And that's what this yeah. was. Yeah. Denvera asks uh, in a super chat, he says, counterfeit mm -hmm. or ill-gotten? Mm -hmm. Big difference. And here it says, in the indictment itself... Both. Both. <laughs> in the indictment itself... It says that these companies imported product from China and Hong Kong that were typically older, lower model products, mm -hmm. some of which had been sold or even discarded, which Chinese counterfeiters then modified to appear to be genuine versions of new, enhanced, and more expensive Cisco products. Yes. So, I mean, whichever way that they're getting them, they fall off a truck, they get them right. out of a landfill, or they get them at like auction for super cheap or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's all, it doesn't matter because the idea is get whatever they can, modify them to turn a profit. Now, I will say the 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 hardware hacker, hack the planet, right to repair guy and me does take issue with this sentence right here. Uh, the Chinese counterfeiters right. often added pirated Cisco software and unauthorized low quality or unreliable components, end quote. Now, pirated software is bad. Okay, I think we can all agree with that. Um, but I think I've told the story once before on the show, but I think it bears repeating in this instance. Uh, I had a particular client that had a Cisco 5512 ASA, which is a Cisco firewall powered by, gosh, I want to say it was a Gen 1 i3. It was a Gen 1 core processor, like an i3 4030 or something like that. Um, or i3-430, excuse me. Um, they had bought it direct, uh, they had bought it from a reseller uh, and didn't need any VPN in, they just needed it as essentially a firewall. And out of the box, Cisco equipment will work as a firewall and most of it will work at line rate speed. So they needed gig routing, this provided gig routing. It's all they needed. Um, couple years after they had purchased it, 
the power supply inside up and failed. And so I get a call. I get a frantic call at like four in the morning that says power supply had failed in this unit. And, uh, or that, you know, internet was down and, and whatnot. So I rushed over to the site and uh, found that power supply had indeed failed. Um, called the, the reseller that they had bought it from and said, hey, I need to get a, a power supply overnighted, you know, as soon as possible. And they said, oh yeah, yeah, not a problem. Let me, let me get you one, I'll get you a quote out today. Uh, I got the quote back and it was $600 for what was essentially a Flex ATX power supply. Um, this was a standard 24 pin plus eight pin power supply and there were no other leads on it. It was a Flex ATX unit, 24 pin, eight pin. That was it. Um, <clears throat> so while I'm waiting on the quote from this guy, I opened the top of the, of the firewall grabbed an ATX power supply off the shelf, plugged it in, and got the firewall back up and running. Um, I get a quote back, and it was 600 and some odd dollars to overnight the power supply to me. And so I said, done. Just get it done. It's a Cisco verified part. I just I just need this thing back up and running. Right now, I can't run it because the case is standing half open with an ATX power supply hanging off the side. Um, I get back to that site in the morning, and the client says, we never we haven't received the power supply yet. So I called called the vendor and said, hey, has the power supply been shipped? And he goes, actually, I just got off the phone with Cisco. I can't sell you that power supply. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, I can't sell you that power supply because you don't have a current Cisco contract. I said, I don't need a contract to buy a part. And he goes, Cisco won't sell it to you. And I said, you've gotta be kidding me. And he goes, nope. Cisco will not sell you that part unless you get a contract. The contract for this, uh, what was a $3,500 firewall um, built with essentially off the shelf components. Uh, the contract for this firewall, which was $3,500 off the shelf, I wanna say was $2,300 a year for service and support. And inside of that, you would still have to pay for parts. That was just for the privilege of having a Cisco tech drive out to you when he got there and plug in the power supply for you. Uh, this incident pissed me off so much that I not only made it my mission for the next eight years at my job to rid every single one of my client sites of Cisco gear. <laughs> I also spent the next four to six hours of my day tracking down the original OEM of this exact Cisco power supply and ordering off AliExpress for $37. Jeez. So when I hear that low quality or unreliable components go into counterfeit goods and, and whatnot, look, counterfeit goods and selling something other than what they were purchasing you know, invalidating the contract of buyer-seller, that's all bad. Pirating goods, pirating software, it's bad. But I can't necessarily feel sorry for Cisco. <laughs> no, I- Ever. But here's, you don't feel bad for Cisco. In this instance, you feel bad for the people that thought that they were buying Cisco products, mm -hmm. which included, according to the indictment, hospitals, schools, and government agencies. Totally. Uh, could have even been more people. Could have been us. 
You know? Yeah. This happened. I, wouldn't have been me. I wouldn't have bought Fusco. <laughs> and, not, and maybe not on Amazon either. But, <laughs> but, but you know, that's the thing. Like, yeah, and they have, you know, you can look at, if you look at the indictment uh, in the link uh, in the video description, you can go down and you can even see the eBay storefronts. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. You just, there's no way of knowing what you're getting. And this just kind of muddies the water with Amazon already, which has a problem with crappy imitation products. Yep. But this is hard to say because they would vacuum seal it with stickers and things that were mm-hmm. Cisco stickers, Cisco right. logos. Uh, I mean, look, the, the, I don't care about Cisco or any like rich company like that. And but. and and by the way, counterfeit can mean it's still a Cisco product, but it was sold as something it's not, or it was upgraded to a model that it shouldn't have been upgraded to from the factory, right. or they upgraded the firmware and wiped the licensure on it so you could use all 25 of your VPN ports instead of just five as an artificial limitation, let's right. just say. Uh, you know, they unlocked 10 gig support on a brocade instead of leaving it at one gig support. Yeah. That is still a form of counterfeit and piracy when it comes to digital licensure. Right. Now, whatever your stance is on that, and I certainly stand on the standpoint of if I pay for hardware, I expect to use said hardware. Yeah. Uh, yeah regardless of whatever else um regardless on your stance of that cisco also has the right to say no we're going to sell you this this asa this switch this uh this whatever that has 20 10 gig ports in it but you're only licensed to use 10 gig on up to eight of them i disagree with it but cisco is fully in the right to license out their hardware and is fully in the right to pursue those criminally and civilly who pirate licensure and upgrade systems illegitimately. Right. Now that's crummy. That gets a downvote from me, Cisco. Right. Lots of companies. Like John Deere, downvote. Not, mm. not a fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I do feel bad for people that wanted to buy these products thinking that they were legitimate or worked properly or functioned the way that they might be advertised and just got crappy products this type of piracy kind of just it just hurts the little people i mean i mean government agencies i don't know screw the government agencies but like i imagine like a little old school district being like oh wow we're finally getting some nice enterprise products from cisco like this is great and just like i mean i went to a tiny Uh. school i could imagine our tech director doing something like that and just you know getting reamed on the back end. I was trying to think of a company that, that like, we're finally upgrading from, and I'm like, no, I don't want to piss anyone off. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, you can read the indictment for yourself. It's pretty interesting. It's a Mm -hmm. pretty broad sweeping thing. Like we said, it went almost a decade. And you can see all of the list of companies that Mm -hmm. um, would have been, you know, operating as retailers in some fashion. You can see the names of the Amazon storefronts that uh, were a part of this and also the eBay storefronts that were a part of this. And there's quite a few of them. So yep. interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, don't resell stuff that you've illegitimately upgraded the license on. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good, uh, way to get yourself indicted by the Department of Justice. So, <laughs> yeah. Although, what do I know? I'm not a rich politician. Uh, I love that Rhett took the voice of the grandma excited for the grandchildren bringing home their first report card. <laughs> 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 I 
Thanks, Skull. Oh, that's good. All right, moving right along. Uh, some Apple rumors floating about, not with the European Union and the forced of USB-C, but uh, rumors of a new Mac Pro that will be utilizing the M2 Extreme CPU and rumors of some potential specs. Now, obviously the current generation Mac Pro, the 2019 Mac Pro based on Cascade Lake, we knew it was a lame duck when it was announced because literally a month beforehand, Epic Rome came to market and annihilated everything within that product stack. Uh, like, we have a Mac Pro. We can get, we have 28 cores of Cascade Lake. Yeah, we have seven nanometer ROM. We have 32 and 64 cores and PCIe 4 and 128 PCIe lanes. Get wrecked. Um, so... To say the Mac Pro 2019 model was a failure, I would say is pretty accurate. Um, however, the move to ARM and the Apple M series processors, uh, I've got a couple of them around here. I, I daily drive a, a MacBook Pro 13 inch M1, and I've also got a Mac mini uh, with the eight core GPU. And that's what handles a lot of my CAD and makerspace uh, duty. Uh, <laughs> they've been fantastic machines and, and I really can't fault them. And right out of the gate, they were competitive with, with existing, uh, existing systems from Intel, AMD, etc. So really impressive what Apple has done. The M2 extreme, holy crap. <laughs> uh, the rumored specs on this are a 48 core CPU and a 160-core GPU supporting up to 384 gigs of RAM. Is that a lot? <laughs> it's not a little. <laughs> um, consider that the 8-core GPU that's inside my MacBook Pro and inside the Mac Mini is actually up there in competitiveness with like a 1050 Ti pushing a 1063 gig. Like it's... For a first entry into a graphics card, as far as like a desktop or mobile, not iPhone style graphics, uh, it was a very intriguing first entry. Uh, the new models are even more crazy with their, their 24, 32, and I think they have one that's a 64. I don't remember quite all of Apple's lineup off the top of my head, but uh, the... Uh, the M2 Ultra was a, or sorry, the M1 Ultra was a 24-core CPU, 32-core GPU, if I remember correctly. Um, the new rumors for specs on the M2 lineup. So we've got the M2 with the 8-core CPU and 10-core GPU and up to 24 gigs of RAM. The... M2 Pro is predicted to be a 10-core CPU and up to a 20-core GPU with 48 gigs of RAM. Still nice. It's a nice, nice, decent bump. M2 Max, 10 cores and 40 cores, 96 gigs of RAM. Ooh, now we're we're getting serious. Cooking. 24-core and 80-core GPU on the M2 Ultra and up to 192 gigs of RAM supported, which, by the way, can come in a laptop form factor. Like, like based on the 14-inch the and 16-inch MacBook Pros, that's going to be an option to fit in your laptop. Uh, the M2 Extreme, 
48 core, 160 core GPU, 384 gigs of RAM. Definitely likely a $5,000 plus price point, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I, I haven't been an Apple primary desktop user in quite a number of years. Um, at my old job, uh, my main workstation was actually a cylinder Mac Pro and we used it for virtualization because it was one of the smallest and quietest high core count machines that you could buy that you could load with 64 gigs of RAM. And as part of my job, I would both support and develop for uh, just about every operating system imaginable, everything from Mac OS to Windows to Linux to Android to whatever. And I was expected to support any one of those systems at a moment's notice. And so most of my techs, we had Mac Pros as workstations because the workflow of the Mac OS desktop, love it or hate it, in conjunction with something like VMware Fusion was absolutely invaluable to the work that we did there. And it's not, it's not the same that you could do on Windows or Linux. It's, it wasn't Ventoy. It was, it was something vastly different where because I'm running Mac OS at bare metal, I can also virtualize Mac OS near bare metal with official support from Apple inside VMware Fusion. Plus, because I'm running x86 hardware, I can also virtualize Windows 32-bit and 64-bit, Linux 32-bit and 64-bit, as well as some mobile operating systems um, inside of emulated environments. And it did everything so incredibly well. Now, the machines weren't terribly reliable, um, but I daily drove a Mac for like eight years during that time span. Uh, and uh, I really liked that environment. I don't know that a 48 core with 160 core GPU will get me to go back, especially considering that Apple and macOS don't support APIs like Vulkan or other things and therefore don't inherently support Proton or Wine or compatibility layers that you would normally use. So the last remaining 15 to 20% of your software that isn't Mac native can run in a native environment with translation. Um, so that's going to be the interesting thing is I know Adobe has some native, uh, ARM M ported, uh, applications right now. You can get Premiere and Photoshop and things like that. And that was really a big crux for a lot of the creative industry to move over to some of the new M powered, uh, Mac, uh, Mac computers. But there's a, a whole other number of industries that, honestly, the software doesn't exist for. And in the past, because they were all x86, you could just virtualize a couple of apps if you needed to, and, you know, Bob's your uncle. Because the translation tech and the compatibility layer tech is literally not compatible with macOS, it's going to make it a much harder pill to swallow, I think. Not that the hardware is not intriguing, and not that I don't want one. <laughs> I think we should get one for the office, you know, mm -hmm. just for email, mm -hmm. word processing. Nothing totally. too crazy. Totally. I mean, why not? I yeah. mean, we're crash computing. Yeah. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. We, we don't need to do anything. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I might as well stick the 
the A5000 into it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what else were you going to, you know, my, my 3090 is going to need a home when we're done. Like, can't think of one. Can't think of one. Yeah. My, my email needs all the 3D acceleration it can get. Well, email is going that direction. You know, everybody knows that that's what's happening with the metaverse, right? You won't even be able to check your email without going on to the metaverse pretty soon. You'll have to you'll have to thumb your way on down to the post office box in the metaverse in order to collect your email. My wife's going to come upstairs and go, hey, Jeff, what are you doing? I oh, just get in the mail. <laughs> and as I'm putting on my, my I'll be back in 30 minutes, <laughs> my, my, my quest to hold on. I got to walk down there. Well, pretty soon you're going to need your like full haptic bodysuit as well. Right, you know? right. Vibrations start going off. What happened? I got mugged. I thought it wasn't real. <laughs> Your mind makes it real. If I die in the matrix, do I die here too? If you die in the metaverse. Too. <laughs> Denver sends over a $5 super chat. Uh, Apple charges $5,000 for an eight core Mac Pro. I estimate 30,000 with 96 gigs of RAM on the M2 Ultra. I would actually counter that with Intel charges $1,500 for an eight core Cascade Lake chip. And Apple passes that charge around to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, plus there's the whole RX 580 Pro that comes stock as well as the, the Vega 2 and a couple other things that are included that are honestly one-off makes from both Intel and AMD when it comes to producing the 2019 Mac Pro. And so, <laughs> Low volume, high dollar counts. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get charged the Apple tax as well as the AMD tax as well as the Intel tax pretty much every single time. Um, with Apple keeping everything in house, well, you're still gonna get charged the Apple tax, but at least all the profits go to one conglomerate instead of three. <laughs> Silver linings, folks. Mm-hmm. Ah, you don't get this kind of performance cheaply, all right? Uh, let's see. We do have another big story. One more. Oh, you found it. Yeah, I'm already there. Uh, I'm already there. None of my links open in order. So. I was going to talk about this wonderful, wonderful beer. Oh, yeah. Uh, very briefly. So this is, again, from Varietal Beer Company out of Sunnyside, Washington. Time of Whispers, barley style, barley wine style ale, aged in whiskey barrels, 14.4%. It is not for the faint of heart or faint of liver. Um, this is wonderful. Uh, I don't know how good of an impression you got just from the little dram that you took. It was good. You could definitely taste the barrels. Tons of barrel flavor in this. Yeah. If, if you're a fan of oak and whiskey and rye and, and bourbon and, and the flavors that are imparted from that, there's so much vanilla yeah. and, and charred oak in this flavor yeah. profile. The only thing that I don't like about a barley wine style thing is like sometimes you get a little bit of like a syrupy consistency. Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad thing. This one is thick. It has legs for days. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the one thing I really noticed when I poured it. I mean, you can see right. the visible line on my glass right, right there. Right. Uh, and now it's not a bad, it's not a deal killer. Right. You know, it's just one of those things that I don't necessarily prefer about a barley wine. Right. But it carries the flavor. It's got a good kind of medium body for a barley wine style drink like that. It's not 
too thick. It's not super thin. Yeah. That's one thing I really like about this particular one is even though it's a very, for a beer, it's a very syrupy body. That only affects you on the first like 10 to 20% of like yeah. the journey, so to speak. Um, it, it doesn't really cling as much as you think it would no, in your mouth. Yeah, no. Um, it has a consistency, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily behave that it's way. It's got the viscosity, but not the cling. Yeah, yeah. Is, is what I will say. So it, it ends up being more of a medium bodied barley wine. Um, the malt profile on this is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Complements those, those vanilla and butterscotch and bourbon notes. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, you know, and like smelling my glass, like you do get almost it, like a maple quality it, as it's, well. It's like, like maple mixed with Werther's original. Yeah. Not like, <laughs> it's funny because I was going to say like. It's like your grandfather gave you an open mouth kiss. Right. Like. <laughs> no, no tongue, but you know. No, no, no. But yeah, I was going to say that I definitely have that, um, you know, that like molasses like scent to it that yeah. maple molasses scent yeah but um it is there i was gonna say it but i had to smell it because mm -hmm. it, it it lingered yeah it's really good no it's that's the scent of like when you go into a like cigar shop almost like, yeah that's what <laughs> it, it, it's a musty humidor that's, yeah that's yeah. really what it is um yeah i, I mean I, I i made the grandfather joke kind of ironically but that this really is like on the nose the perfect blend of butterscotch toffee oh yeah and, and now that you're making like we're talking about humidors and the grandfather thing like yeah. i'm pretty sure like this is like the scent of like my grandpa's pipe tobacco mm -hmm. like that's in there but mm -hmm. that's the bourbon right that's mm -hmm. got to be the bourbon barrel yes that's the bourbon barrel but yeah um, yeah, my grandpa too, uh, all the time would smoke pipe tobacco and I always loved oh, that yeah. scent. Oh yeah. Hate cigarettes, but love the smell of fresh, good quality tobacco in a pipe. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, this literally smells like my grandpa's house growing up. Yeah. Like, that's, it's like I'm transported back to him sitting in his favorite recliner playing Super Mario Brothers 2. Right. There you go. <laughs> Sitting on the couch in the 80s that all of your grandparents had in the 80s, too. Everybody had one. Everyone had one. It was that that orange plus floral. Yeah. That came from the 70s, but right. everybody had it in the 80s. Right. And right. onward. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was my grandpa coming in and telling me I couldn't watch Looney Tunes anymore, but we were going to watch Perry Mason instead. Because <laughs> what not? <laughs> um, slight tangent. Uh... Did I ever put you into VR with duck season? Mm -mm. Ooh, no. That could be a fun craft extra video. There we go. Um, so. Oh, is that the one where the like guy hunts? Are you? Do you get hunted by the guy? It's duck hunting VR. And that's it. Sure. But you do. So it is. I was kind of close, right? So like, right, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's Duck Hunt VR, but then there's like the guys there, after you or something. No, there's the dog. The dog's There's the dog from, from Duck Hunt. It's hunting you, though. I didn't say that. It's the, it's got the dog from Duck Hunt in it. <laughs> okay. I, um, it's funny. There's something there's something there in the fringes of my memory. If, if you want to talk about a game that puts you into eight-year-old self sitting there and 
staring at your your parents 16 inch are you like playing duck TV. hunt in vr yes you're not just doing duck hunt you're but you're like playing it right oh you're, you're sitting in your your parents 1988 living room yes and and i mean i wasn't but... right right <laughs> maybe you won't connect with this one as much <laughs> i mean i played duck hunt I played a lot of Duck Hunt as a kid, just not in 1988. Just not with that same ambiance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it's a game that I think everyone needs to play once. It's a game that I I have a hard time going back to. Yeah. I want, is it because, like, why? It, it, <laughs> I guess I just have to play it. All right, that's a Craft Extra video. Yeah. I like that. No, that's cool. I, I won't even look it up any more than that. I rem- I think we've talked about it. You're like, you yeah. got to play this game. Yeah. But no, I, my VR experience is really limited. You know, I've mm-hmm. got like the lab. Mm-hmm. I've got Arizona Sunshine. And like, that might be it. Yeah. I mean, and, which is weird because VR is how you and I became friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did do uh, recently a little bit of uh, Hellblade in VR. Oh, yeah. And it was pretty cool. Not quite the experience that I, I thought it was going to be, but it mm-hmm. does it does bring you into that yeah. horrifying world a little bit. So Yeah. I, I like Hellblade in VR because it's it's much more cinematic yeah. than... Uh, it, it's one of the best experiences that you can go through without, like, I'm living this. It's more I'm observing this. Yeah, and, right. Exactly. Yeah, and especially because like she's talking to you and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you got like, with you got the the binaural yeah, audio going yeah. on. Oh, that was trippy. What a great game. Yeah, great game. All right, we do have a couple more pieces of news to get to, including the title story of the Intel GPU. Rumors of its demise have been, well, we don't know if they're exaggerated, <laughs> but at least it's here. <laughs> Uh, the Intel Arc A770 and A750 review embargoes have dropped. Uh, so we finally got some performance data, finally got some hands-on data for both the A750 and the A770, both versions, both the 8 gigabyte and the 16 gigabyte limited edition. Uh, and performance wound up being pretty darn good. Um, for $350, you're getting the top-end ARC A770, uh, which has 32 XE cores, which uh, Intel is calling are calling render slices. Each XE core has four render slices, and, uh, and they're combining them all into a core, and then you're laying your die out with XE cores. Um, but boost clock of up to 2100 megahertz, VRAM speed of up to 17.5 gigabit per second, uh, 16 gigs of, of GDDR6, which for $350 is pretty insane, especially given the 8 gigabyte card sells for only $330. Um, but 256 uh, uh, VRAM bus, 256 uh, TMUs, and a total total bandwidth of 560 gigabytes per second with a 225 watt TDP. Um I watched a good number of reviews today. Um, I will say I was in talks with Intel to get a release day card, but my rep went on vacation and I don't think the backup knew who I was. They always go on vacation. They always go, yeah. What the heck? Always at the worst time. Um, So anyway, 
I'm actually hoping to drive up to Intel in the next day or two and pick up a card. Um, uh, and, the benefits and, of living near campus. Right, exactly. We, we also talked about some other things. But uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to have hands-on very soon. I do have some news that I can report about the things that my audience is likely interested in. And that comes down to SRIOV, which was a big selling feature of Arc Alchemist and Arctic Sound. Um, SRIOV, I did get confirmed from Intel, is going to be an enterprise-only feature. Um, that means it is going to be on only their Flex 140 and Flex 170 cards, which are the enterprise variants of the Arc Alchemist. Um, now, the Flex 170 has 32 gigabytes of memory, uh, so double the memory, but the same bandwidth, same execution core, it's still a 32XE, um, and it will have SRIOV support with no licensing requirements and no driver hidden BS that AMD does, no, no license server required that NVIDIA does. Um, so we're hoping on the enterprise side to see more VDI and more virtual gaming, cloud gaming, distributed desktop, that kind of thing at a much more readily available price. As far as raw performance goes, the uh, Flex 170, by my eye, as far as raw specs go, should equate very closely to the A770 that we're seeing, but with just either four or two times the memory, that being 16 or 32 gigs. Um, now, raw specs and raw performance, I saw today the A770 bouncing between an RTX 3060 and an RTX 2080, um, which if you consider just two years ago that the RTX 2080 was the flagship card and sold for $700, getting an A770 at $350, bucks, yeah. uh, which you can buy it next Wednesday, uh, on the 12th. The mid-range is back, baby. The mid-range is back, and it's back with a vengeance. Um, you can't get a 3060 right now for less than $400, whether or not you're searching for a 3060 Ti or just a straight-up 3060 uh, 12 gig. Um, you can get the ARC next week for $350 with 16 gigs of VRAM. Good deal. And it's going to trade blows with an RTX 2080 with 8 gigabytes of VRAM. Oh, and it has also integrated uh, AV1 encoding and is compatible with AMD's FSR 2.0 as well as Intel's XESS, which is their upscaling technology. Uh, both of which have showed phenomenal promise in a lot of the reviews that I saw today. Um, thinking in particularly to uh, Epos Vox's review of the A770. Uh, where, depending on the game, it was trading blows or beating outright an RTX 2080 uh, and actually did vastly better than either of those cards, uh, the 2080 or the 3060, when it came to FSR upscaling. It's going to be a game changer. Uh, the really cool thing is they seem to have dialed in some of the driver and API support down from DirectX 12, because when... When we first got a, a very brief preview of the A770 uh, with both PC World and LTT getting hands-on time with some Intel engineers, uh, DirectX 12 was competitive with that RTX 3060, RTX 2080 level performance. 
But when you went to DirectX 11 or Vulkan or DirectX 10 or, heaven forbid, DirectX 9, it just couldn't hold up. It, it didn't do it anymore. And, and that just comes down to the 30 years of graphics API technology that goes into developing drivers for cards like AMD's Vega, RDNA, RDNA 2, RDNA 3, NVIDIA's cards with Maxwell, Pascal, Turing, Volta, you know, Ampere, and, and soon-to-be Ada. Uh, that there's... If we know anything about barrel aging, it's there's no faking time. There's no cheating time. <laughs> there are ways to flirt with it and get the get the essence of time. But, the approximation of time. But we all know a four-year versus a 12-year bourbon, and they're vastly different mechanisms, aren't they? Oh, yeah. You can't just drop a wood stave into a into a you know, bottle of uh, of Everclear and expect, you know, crisp, clear bourbon in 30 days. No, no. But you can get a close approximation. You get an unaged whiskey, mm-hmm. a white whiskey. Yep. You drop a wood stave in that son of a gun. You can have, like, something that tastes four years you, old. You, you, you can get some approximations. You can get some essences of the flavor out, but they're not going to be as smooth. They're not going to be as defined. Oh, they're God. not going to be as, as well matured. Oh, God. As, as some other things are. And so, I, 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 as only I can, I'm going to equate Intel's drivers with, with whiskey barrel aging. Uh, in that there's no fooling age, there's no fooling experience, there's no fooling maturity. And uh, it's going to take Intel some time, especially with the older APIs, to really get highly competitive, but at the same time, if their GPUs are up to the task and they can just brute force their way through it, I don't think there's any reason for them to spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars developing drivers for DirectX 10 games, you know, get it good enough at this day and age and then move forward with the X12 and Vulcan all the way. Mm. There you go. So if you're a retro gamer, Maybe not the best move to make, although it's not like the A770 isn't going to play every single DirectX 10 game at 60 frames per second. It's just it won't play it at 290 frames per second like a 3060 would. But you're getting a far better dollar per frame or, you know, frame per dollar value than you would get on an RTX 2080 or an RTX 3060. There you have it. Yeah. Yeah, if it can't play Morrowind at above 100 frames per second, then I'm just not quite sure where the value comes in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, stay tuned for that one. Uh, did they say anything about support for GBTT or GBTG in the retail arcs? Um, I'm assuming because they're basing the entire virtualized GPU, distributed GPU, bifurcated GPU, however you want to phrase it, with SRIOV, that SRIOV will be an enterprise-only feature. So I don't imagine official support for SRIOV or GBTG coming to the ARC cards. Uh, Trust me, I have been a very vocal proponent for that technology, for the ability for people like me who want to run multiple VMs, multiple distributed graphics systems, I don't know the realistic expectation that that's going to happen. Although I also don't put it past the community that someone won't one day unlock that functionality. But I don't think Intel is going to officially support it. 
Uh, and no, SRIOV will not be officially supported on retail Alchemist cards. Uh, for that, Enterprise only. Uh, we did get a super chat from Tech Geek. Uh, $50, checking in. Late to the party. Got uh, Just got home. Found out today I start tomorrow, not Saturday. So my favorite co-worker came in on her day off tonight to say goodbye and give me a hug. That's awesome. There's there's no beating good co-workers. Good co-workers. Yeah. I mean, just flat out. Uh, like You're I, all trauma bonded. <laughs> You're in the trenches. We, we, we've all repeated that once more into the fray, into the only fight I've ever known, live and die on this day. <laughs> like, like, like I have co-workers who I can just look in the eye and you can see the same pain and tyranny and suffering that they've gone through. And you're like, I understand, bro. And uh, there's a little bit of that shell shock relief that comes with that kind of bonding. Um, I will say I've been self-employed for now over two years uh, and, and taking craft computing... <laughs> you know, from a little channel with a hundred thousand subscribers to, you know, pushing 300,000 subscribers now. And, uh, I mean, heck I have people who do work for me now on a contract basis and, you know, uh, I've got commitments and I'm working on travel plans and crap. Uh, number one, I never imagined my career going this direction, being someone who anyone would have any interest in listening to, for 10 minutes, let alone two hours on a Wednesday night. Um, but part of me also misses some of that camaraderie with, with systems administrators and network engineers and, and, and some of the industry folks that I used to work with. You all know who you are if you're watching. Uh, and uh, those people are gold, man. Uh, those, those people were my family for so many years. And uh, I definitely miss working every day with them. So... Oh, let's see. Got a number of pings here. Uh, what about A A310 AV1 encode? I haven't heard any news on the A310. The A380 does support it at just $140. I do have an A380 on the way. So as soon as I get one, I will likely be doing something with AV1, although I haven't quite just decided what yet. Um, the problem is I don't think my Roku's will do AV1 decodes, so I don't know that I can, like, do hardware encoding on Plex or MB or Jellyfin and then have my Roku's able to decode that stream. So I don't know how, I don't know how realistic it is getting an AV1 decode review from me will be. Again, if you subscribe to Epos Vox, he is the codec master. If, if you want a deep dive into how things work, why things work and which things work better, he's the one to follow. Um, Let's see. Uh, I'm wondering if Craft Computing is going to do a review on Intel GPUs and show how good they will be for Plex compared to AMD and NVIDIA equal cards. Uh, again, that kind of comes down to AV1 support. Um, I haven't seen any confirm or deny about QuickSync support, which is their standard H.264 encoder. Um, so I'll definitely be interested in seeing if QuickSync is supported on the cards, because that's currently supported by basically every major media encoding company. Although AV1 encoding is coming to the industry in a very big way, probably not this year, but I guarantee by next year, it's integrated into just about every self-hosted service you can imagine from Plex to MB to Parsec and, and Moonlight. So uh, 
be on the lookout for AB1. It's it's much more efficient. It's a better algorithm. It's it's a lighter weight, better, faster, more data codex. So it's going to be good. Um, but yeah, as soon as something like Plex or MB or Jellyfin support AV1 and, and I can find a client that also supports it for TV streaming, I'll probably move over to that. But for right now, I'm sticking with NVINC because that's what I have, that's what I know, and that's what works. Uh, let's see. Craft Computing, when GPU marketing team was on LTT WAN show and Linus said that they would do GPU splitting on consumer cards and they neither confirmed nor denied. Which is why I've been a massive proponent of that particular feature. I've been talking to the people that I have the ear of at Intel and saying, look, this is a feature that no one offers at a price less than $2,000. And if Intel wants to get in on this market, and especially if you're delivering a card for $350 that delivers 2080 level performance, and if I can get a 16 gig card and split it into two and get two high-end 1080p ultra gaming machines that'll stream at 60 to 120 frames per second to any client that I want, I'm going to buy Intel every day of the week. Now, it's not necessarily their ultimate target market. Ultimately, they want to be into mid-range homes. They want to start shooting for that high-end market. And I think Intel will get there. I think they have the resources to do that. But you have to convince them that there's other markets that they can shoot for as well. And bifurcation, VGPU, MXGPU, GVTG, whatever you want to call the technology, SRIOV is a massive feature that they try so hard to reserve for enterprise, but there's so much interest from people other than enterprise. And being able to utilize multiple GPU cores license-free in whatever way I want through software. Again, I own the hardware. Why can't I use it the way I want? Oh, there's a software limitation. Intel has every right. Cisco has every right. But it doesn't mean I can't be pissed off. Buy other products. There you go. Who are you going to buy that offers SRIOV and VDI support? No one. You're going to buy used NVIDIA cards and you're going to hack them for VGPU unlock. <laughs> yeah. Strangely enough, the best one that you can get right now, the Tesla P4. There you go. Video incoming. Yes. Video tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If someone gets off their ass and finishes uh, it. Well, that's true. <laughs> I did proof the video today. So your timeline as it sits right now is good. You did oh, have one duplicate clip. That happens. It happens. That went so, pretty quick. So I knocked that one off. It was only like 20 seconds. Um, but, uh, and to your credit, I phrased it two completely different ways, but the center section was the same. So it's like I I started the sentence a different way. <laughs> That's probably what got me. Uh, tell them how repeatable I am when I'm reading script. Oh, uh, yeah. The other day <laughs> we, were, uh, we were shooting an ad and uh, he gives me the voiceover for the ad and it, there was a problem with the audio and he goes you know what screw it i'll just redo it and he just pulls up the script and he one take and he rereads it in one take and i i throw it up in the workspace on uh, on premiere now now the the way we edit <laughs> these videos is um especially for like advertisements where it's b-roll heavy yeah. and then there's just a voiceover it's voiceover you, you, you edit your B-roll to where you want it to be because we're, we're aiming for targets, whether it's 35 seconds or 45 seconds or 65 seconds. 
um, we're aiming for those targets. And so you get your B-roll to kind of fit there. And even if the words don't quite line up with transitions, it's still okay yeah. because visual and audio learners are very different and it's okay if they don't line up. Yeah. And so, um, but Rhett goes, man, there's a problem with this audio. So I went, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll re-record it. And he goes, now I warn you, yeah. I got this thing dialed in at 38 <laughs> seconds. Like, I'm not changing a dang thing. He, on he, this. he goes, he goes, I've got all my cuts dialed in. I'm at 38 seconds. And I went, you know how I read. <laughs> and I did it in one take and he played them side by side. And I swear to God, it was like tracking on a VCR. Yeah. Where where sometimes it was off by two or three frames this way, and then sometimes it was yeah. off by two or three frames this way, but they always found their center point, and I ended on the exact same frame. Yeah. You started and ended, and then there was just like, and it was never like super bad. It was just enough where all of a sudden you can hear that there were two different tracks, and here we are back to one track, right. and now there's two... And there was times where it, it was totally we are the Borg. Please yeah. lower your shields and yeah. surrender your yeah yeah. And he would take uh, and he would uh, take a big breath and just start right <laughs> same exact moment. It was pretty impressive. Um, you know, as as a musical mind. Um, so in high school, I was not to toot my own horn, but he's about to. But I'm about to. Um, <laughs> Um, you can, I'm about to give myself way more than that. Um, uh, in high school, I was one of the top high school musicians in the United States. For clarinet, clarinet. Oh, 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 clarinet. He's just a clarinet player, guys. It's okay. Um, I was the <laughs> principal clarinet for, uh, a number of different honor bands, including the Western International Band Clinic in Seattle, which is all of basically everything you consider the Western Midwest. So your Montana's, your Dakota's, your Colorado, Wyoming, and then, uh, you know, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, Alaska. Um, I was not a first chair clarinet. I was the principal clarinet uh, for that particular orchestra. I was also the principal chair clarinet for uh, the Eugene Youth Symphony. I was principal chair clarinet for uh, the Oregon Summer Music, which was an invitational summer band camp. Ah, yeah, Allison Hannigan. We've all heard the joke. Um, I wasn't going to make it. I know. It's too lowbrow. Yeah. Us band people get it. Us, us band people get it. I've been on band buses before. Um but yeah, uh, so part of part of that musician lizard brain is dedicated to you're locked in is dedicated to the to the tempo, and so reading a script and ending at exactly thirty eight seconds ain't no thing. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Somebody says, so do you play Aerophone or EWI? You know, strangely enough. It's not like a Roland aerophone, right? But it's got a Yamaha aerophone. Uh, and what was kind of, you know, what it always kind of surprised me. He pulled this thing out and he starts playing on it. You know, it's like, oh, dang, that's he's like, oh, it's set up for sax fingerings. Oh, darn it. You know, oh, and, darn he's, it. and he's still shredding on it. <laughs> 
So this is a Yamaha WX5. I always wanted one of these and I finally found one at a decent enough price. It has MIDI output so I can just pipe it out to a keyboard or anything else. Uh, but uh, it's a fun little, little MIDI wind controller. Um, I also have a uh, uh, Buffet R13 clarinet. I've got an A15 Buffet clarinet. I've got... Um, you ever watch... Is that Parks and Rec? No, it was Parks and Rec uh, with... Uh, what's his name? Chris Pratt. Uh, where he's got a bass clarinet and he plays bass clarinet, right? Um, my freshman year, I was also the number one bass clarinetist in the Northwest. Chris Pratt plays bass clarinet? No, in, in Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt had like a bow tie on and there's a bass clarinet in the background. It's, there, there, there's a scene where it's, it's a very common Jeff where he's like rubbing his hands together. Right, okay, yeah. That's a bass clarinet in the background. Not only did I own a bass clarinet, I played bass clarinet. And I, I made the All Northwest Honor Band my freshman year on bass clarinet. Uh, which again is like, you know, 12 states and, and I'm one of like seven people. So, yeah. Band geeks, not only do I get you, I'm better than you. <laughs> it looks like a massive vape pen, John Jay says. Uh, you're, you're not wrong. Um, for those wondering, I play all of the clarinets. And by that, I don't just mean the the clarinet. I mean... E-flat clarinet, Sopranino clarinet, alto. I own an alto clarinet, for God's sakes. Uh, I play the bass clarinet. I also played both E-flat and B-flat contrabass clarinets. Um, I play all of the saxophones, so soprano, alto, berry, and tenor. Um, primarily on tenor when I, when I needed to. Um, I'm not terrific at brass instruments, uh, specifically the smaller ones. So when you get to the French horn, the trumpet, the uh, and, and whatnot... Those require so much more control and so much more PSI in a different way than I deliver on wind instruments. Um, I'm also not great at double reeds or or flute. Um, but I can play uh, baritone, trombone, tuba, percussion, you know, like... Ain't no thing. <laughs> Heck yeah. So... The E-clarinet looks like a Star Trek phase rifle. <laughs> It does actually. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Yeah, dude, it does. It's the tip. It, like, it the really is. The mouthpiece really. It really like... is. I'm about ready to shred some Borg. Is what I'm yeah. gonna do. <laughs> um. Anyway, I I always wanted an MX5. Yeah. Or WX5, excuse me. And uh, MX5 is the Miata. Uh, I always wanted a WX5. Um, and now I have one. Yeah. So we were supposed to be filming a video, and instead we spent a whole day figuring out how to get that thing to work because, to work over MIDI because it was email or emailed eBay. We got it on eBay. He yeah. got it on eBay, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it did not work when we first got it. All the mm -hmm. all the like wind detection and everything was just not quite set up. Yeah, the the wind detection. It's got bite force detection, yeah. so you can bend your pitch and do all kinds of fun stuff. Um, it. It's it's an electronic instrument, but it's an electronic instrument from 1999. Yeah. And so everything on it is completely analog, even though it's a digital MIDI interface. And so we had to go through and fine tune with like a screwdriver into yeah, little cut switches there and like dial it in while you're blowing and you're yeah. doing all this. Yeah. And then we eventually we got it to work. 
And what's fun about it, you could use like literally any sort of like digital audio synthesizer yeah. to make a sound. Yeah. You could just have your organic wind sounds or you could have the fattest, squelchiest like bass coming yeah. out of it. Like, yeah. I, 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 I was doing like a, like a phasered bass out of it at yeah, one point. Yeah. Just <laughs> It's pretty fun. <laughs> that was cool. So that's what we do when we're supposed to be editing videos about the NVIDIA P4. That's right. <laughs> um, I will say all the jazz tunes that you hear in the background, eventually, once we build a studio that has enough room for a full drum set and a couple of guitars hanging on the wall, we're going to start doing our own backing tracks. There you go. I mean, there is enough room in here for a drum set and there no, are guitars on There's there. really not enough room for a drum set. <laughs> there's really not. There's barely enough room for us. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, eventually, uh, hopefully this next year, I'm going to be building Craft Computing Studios 3.0, uh, which will be a whole expansion project on the house, on the garage, on everything else. I'm hoping for a full makerspace as well as the current plans are shooting for like 1,200 square feet of expansion. Heck yeah. Plus another 250 for a small shop space. So... We're looking at craft computing being like between 14 and 1500 square feet. Nice. As opposed to the 225 we reside in today. Yeah, you make it sound like it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight. <laughs> it's pretty tight in here. I'm not going to lie. It's funny because on video, it looks like you have all the room in the world, but then we sit right by each other. And it's like, dude, give me some space over here. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm hanging off the edge of the desk, you know, like. Yep. So, yeah, lots of fun. Can't wait to finally get. Uh, oh, and a server room. Ooh, of course. There we go. Uh, so my preliminary plans have four 208 volt 30 amp uh, circuits that are going to need to be ran. Um, and the shop space is also going to house the servers, but the servers are going to kind of be in their own sanctioned off space. Um, I want to have three racks. Nice. Yeah. Three racks. That's my goal. So uh, two circuits for production and then one circuit for testing and then one circuit for like other. Heck yeah. So that's my goal. Sweet. That'd be fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, the main studio will be like 1,200 or 1,250 square feet when it's all done. Now, some of that's going to be for like a bathroom and a shower because the way we're selling this to the city is it's going to be a rentable apartment space above my garage. And so it's going to have a small kitchenette, bar. Uh, it's going to have a bathroom so I don't have to walk downstairs and outside to take a piss. Uh, it's going to be great. Yeah. But uh, but make no mistake, this is going to be a film studio first and foremost. So Yeah. It'd be interesting, like, you know, I, I don't know, you know, you watch other people's stuff and they just got this big space they can film in, like, like 360, all mm -hmm. this sort of, like, it, it could be fun to do something like that, mm -hmm. you know? You have the space for it. I am definitely going to get one of uh, Joshio's Orbit uh, devices. Have you seen those? No, but you've told me about it. Like, it sounds so, so awesome. So, we'll, <laughs> we'll end with this. Joshio, gosh, I think it was last year. Uh, Kickstarted a device that that he developed and and got in touch with uh, servo manufacturers and a bunch of other people and got them involved. Um, basically, it's a pull mount that you screw into a stud in your ceiling, and you can get a six to nine foot arm that comes off of that. Good lord, the spam calls will not stop tonight. 
uh, you can get a six to nine foot arm that'll shoot off of that center stud mount and hold up to like a 15 pound camera rig and literally orbit around a center point. And so if you wanted to do like a time-lapse PC build or yeah, Je Jeff, like Jeff is thinking intently or doing like the yeah. hacker's coding scene where they're in the, the phone yeah, booth. Yeah, you get your like pseudo bullet time going. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> right. Uh, we're definitely going to have one of those in the new studio. Um, nice. I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, also doing a green screen scene as well, or in lieu of green screen, doing an augmented reality studio. That could be cool. So, LED, could, so LED video wall. That could be cool. Just like they do on The Mandalorian. Yes, that's exactly right. So build whatever set you want behind you in Unity. Or Unreal, I don't judge. Uh, and... Uh, you know, throw whatever scene makes sense for that particular day and you happen to be in that environment. Heck pretty yeah. pretty cool stuff. Heck yeah. Never have to go outside again. I'd love to have like a... I, I want it to be like a 10 foot by 10 foot wall. So you can just throw whatever you want up there. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, you motion track the camera, motion track the, the, the video wall. And... You can film all around, you can do handheld, you can do whatever else. And uh, I don't know what I'd use it for, but hell, I want it. Yeah. So. Keep the super chats coming, guys. We'll make it a reality. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Discord needs a three rack badge. Uh, I think that definitely needs to happen. Uh, 220, 221, wherever it whatever it takes. Yeah. Uh, 208, three phase, 210, 220. I really don't care as long as it's more than 110 volts that I've got now. Um, so yeah, we've got all that. Jeff looks busy gripping his mouse. And uh, craft computing labs when? I think we will definitely get into that, but I think this is gonna do it for episode 254 here on craft computing. Yeah. If you like this video, make sure to hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. And if you want to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party where you can talk with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, including Ian Cutrus, uh, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. And every dollar there goes towards keeping the lights on around here. Or maybe A5000s or sometimes maybe pickle beers. Oh, yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Who knows? Maybe for me, though. Novella Hub, we saw your thing about beer mail, and if Jeff has it on hand, he's going to open it in the Super Secret After Show, yes. available to all of the Patreon Discord homies. To be fair, the last two weeks have been kind of jammed packed, so I haven't gotten to your beer, to your beer mail. It is still unopened. I, re I reassure you that, though, except for the first box that kind of came a little leaky. <laughs> so, Yeah, the mice got to it. Yeah. Thank you all so much for watching, and as always, we'll see you... <laughs>